0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value.
0: I can't breathe and I'm not blue yet. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Never fear, pandemic, I have soup. With Margaret Aples and Amy Wilson. Would that
1: anybody in my house would listen to me. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas
0: so you don't have to. So I guess I'll put a bra on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret.
1: And this is Amy. And this week, we're going to talk about why everything feels wrong right now. I
0: suggested this topic. We are here for this topic. I think Amy and I were actually out to dinner and I was like, what is up? Is everyone as miserable as me? Everyone I talk to is miserable. Yeah. It feels like we should be in the aftertimes. I also want to acknowledge that I feel like we've recorded this episode like 10 times. Why does everything stink? We, yeah, we're yeah, we going to talk about that. I went back and pulled some of our previous like, why am I feeling like this? And <laughs> why is this horrible? It's like,
1: haha, you thought that was bad. Right, right. Yeah, we might need a spinoff podcast called Why Is This Horrible? You know, I wanted to give a quick shout out in the beginning to all of our sponsors. We love our sponsors that make this show possible. And if you guys go to whatfreshellpodcast.com and you just click on the top, we have a promo codes tab. It takes you to all the prom- codes for all the sponsors as you're planning your holiday shopping, for example. It's a great place to look for ideas and
0: great codes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you're already planning your holiday shopping, Amy. <laughs> I'm planning to plan it. Just another thing that's making me annoyed right now. It's that beach ball spinning, as I like to say. Holiday shopping is a beach ball spinning on my desktop. It's a force quit that I can't. Yeah. But I feel like when it spins for you, maybe the solution is to do something. And when it spins for me, maybe the solution is to get under the covers with Halloween candy and eat I found a new snack, guys. I mean, don't say you never learned anything from this podcast. I had some leftover pita chips in the bag, but there was a Costco-sized bag, so I had a million of them. Several pounds. Pita chips with a piece of Halloween candy on top? That's news you can use. It's so good. It's salty, bready, and chocolatey all at the same time. All right. I mean, I guess I'm here for that.
1: I mean, everything feels wrong right now, so why not have pita chips with Halloween candy on top as your snack? Do that instead of holiday shopping. So, Margaret, I'm going to give you a little lift in your day. We
0: have a fantastic mailbag. Oh, I'm so glad because what I need is a lift in my day that does not involve Halloween candy and pita chips.
1: Mailbag. This week's mailbag is from Caitlin. She emailed to say, I'm a mama of a three-year-old daughter and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old son. I love your podcast. I look forward to my Wednesday commute so I can listen to it. Or sometimes I take super long showers and listen to it at the end of my day. It almost feels like you're big sisters sharing life experiences and wisdom. Thank you so much. I tell everyone about you. Caitlin, love it. Thank
0: you. And thank you for saying big sisters instead of moms. We appreciate that as well. <laughs> right. We feel old enough already. Right. Because everything feels wrong right now. Oh, man. Every, I mean, everything feels wrong. I hope you know why. Because you know why. I feel that this should be a time of great celebration. It should be VE day. It should be the nurse and the sailor kissing in the streets. I mean, I get that it's not really over. Don't at me. But I feel like this is what I was waiting for. And I'm miserable. Right. That's the problem.
1: There is no end to this assignment. There is no, you know, whistle for the end of the game. There is no D-Day. There's no proclamation. There is no end. Six months ago, we were talking about how hard this was in an episode called When Can We Start Saying Yes? Right. Clearly, we've all started saying yes to things by now, but it was sort of we're almost at the end and the hardest part is the third quarter phenomenon. Do you remember this?
0: Yes, I do remember talking about third quarter phenomenon. So I'll put a link to this in the show notes. I hope you have some stuff about the fourth quarter phenomenon because that's what I seem to be in now. So the third quarter phenomenon, just to
1: review, is a term for what psychologists call the stress of being almost done with a stretch of isolation. They observe it in astronauts, they observe it in Arctic explorers and people on submarines, and just people going through long winters and, you know, really northern places or whatever. The hardest part of an assignment that no matter how long it is, the hardest part is about 75% of the way through when the end comes into focus. We're almost there. If you live in a very dark and cold place, marriage counselors get the most calls in February when it's almost done. So they call this the third quarter phenomenon. Got it. So six months ago, we were like, wow, we're in the third quarter phenomenon because we are almost there, but this has been so hard. And now it's six months later and we're in an end e. There's no VE day because there's no declaration. We're just sort of, I think we've all lost faith in, oh, there won't be one thing
0: that will then switch us back to the way things were. This is what I think is happening. All the negatives are back. So I'm busy again. I'm making travel plans. I'm having to go, you know, to different events that I was very happy not to have to go to. (laughs) Okay. I'm running around making schedules. My kids are busy. School is back at full tilt. And it still feels like the third quarter. It's all the bad of both to me now. Yeah,
1: right. It's the normalcy requirements without the normalcy.
0: Yeah. And I will say, I was talking to my husband about this last night. Why is it hard? And I don't worry that much about COVID right now. At a certain point, I was chased by bear, frightened all the time. I almost never think about it anymore, but I still think there's some hum of anxiety around it in the back. Is it going to come roaring back? Is there going to be somewhere? It feels very unstable, but at the same time, it's like, rise and grind, mom, back you go. You know, we don't have any of the downtime and the relaxation. Yes. It stinks, Amy. It really stinks. I feel like for me,
1: there was a sort of a life raft desperation about a year ago. So at least in New York City, I think this is probably true a lot of places, but particularly in New York City, people really scatter in the summer. I mean you might go stay with your mom or whatever, but if you have a place to take your kids that isn't New York City, you're going to that place. Then a lot of people leave during the summertime, at least for a lot of it. So our kids do not usually see their school friends very much during the summer. And I don't see, you know, my school friends, my tribe, and you reconnect in the fall. And last September you know, we were seeing people, we were bringing two blankets and eating outside in November and just, we made it. Tell me your tales (laughs) of the front of surviving the dragon time. Right. Exactly. Right. We did it. And you kind of saw everybody once and you just touched base with them and you reconnected. And now it's been another year since I've seen some of these people who I really like, by the way, who live 10 blocks away, by the way, and we're not seeing each other. And there's just this, uh, I guess this is how it is. Uh, I guess I'll stay home. You know, we didn't do anything this weekend. We all stayed home and did homework and, you know, watched Ted Lasso and ate Chinese food. And it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't what I imagined for myself in a sort of end times pandemic. A year ago, I would have been like, I am doing everything. I am touching every loved one. You know what I mean? There would be this joyful reconnection. And now it's just sort of like,
0: uh. yeah. Well, we have a famous story that one of my kids was complaining about not wanting to do something. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And we said, well, what do you want to do? And he said, I don't want to do. And that's, that's what my husband and I keep saying to each other. We don't want to do. Oh, look. Uh-huh. We got a thing to go to this thing or and it's stuff I kind of do want to do. You and I saw each other this week for the first time in a long time. Had a nice dinner out with the toddler purgatory hosts. Yes, that was good times. But did I didn't want to do it. I'm not going to lie. I was dragging myself. I was like until you got there. Regular pants. I guess I'll put a bra on. I eyeliner. I, I suppose I should, you know. When did you flip into wanting to do it when you when you saw me? I would say, literally, when I saw you, like when then, when I said, we had a great time. We did. We had so much fun. But then I had to get home. You know, it was in the city. I got to get on the subway and the train. And I I don't know. I mean, I don't want to do, Amy. I think that's the problem. I want to have done and I want to be doing, but I don't want to do. That's where I'm stuck. For me, I feel like there are a lot of things for which I'm willing to wait another six
1: months, right? Like I thought I would be dying to, oh, I don't know. See a Broadway show, you know, go to every party, have a party. And now I'm like, "Eh, I can wait. I mean, at this point, I'll just wait. But what am I waiting for? Waiting for the world to like for the
0: lights to come on? Like, it's not going to be like that. I saw a Broadway show this week. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I didn't want to do it. But I did do it and I had a good time. It feels I feel like life feels like exercising right now. Like, I know it's good for me. Life. I know I should do it. And I know I'll feel better after doing it it all feels like being about to put my sweatpants on. Like, I don't want to do it. I guess I don't wear sweatpants anymore. My athletic wear on. You know what deconditioning is? Maybe. It's something
1: that can happen to people who have been sick for a long time or who have been in the ICU or who have just had a long illness or whatever that, you know, you get weak, like your muscles atrophy from lack of use. And if you've been in bed for a month, you're deconditioned. So part of the medicine... Unless you have chronic fatigue syndrome or something like that, part of the medicine is to just you know force yourself to get back out there, gradually increase the exercise because you've gotten bad at it, and I feel like we are completely socially deconditioned.
0: This also reminds me of the conversation we were having recently on solo parenting seasons, yeah, about the non integrated spouse that a spouse coming home from. A long time away, works on the oil rigs, is in the military, has to travel a lot for work. Or even like four days a week at the fire station or whatever, right? They're not in the mix. They become non-integrated because they are outside of the family. And so the spouse is the one running things. And then it's kind of like, never mind, you don't know how to pack the lunches. Never mind, you don't know how to pick out their clothes. Never mind, you don't know how to brush the hair. And they're non-integrated. And they I feel that I am the unintegrated, alive person. Like I am the non-integrated living (laughs) human. I just don't feel, I recently went out to see my brother and his wife in Chicago for the weekend. And my whole body was like, this is insane. Go to Chicago for the weekend? Like, And it wasn't the price of the tickets. The tickets were cheap. I had miles. I did it all. It was just the idea of like packing a bag getting myself to an airport, boarding a plane and going somewhere for two days. And again, there was nothing to it. It was easy. It was fine. It was a great time. I'm glad I went. But like my mind was practically shutting down at the idea of getting on a plane. It seemed absurd to me. I have a wedding I'm supposed to
1: go to in two weeks in the Bahamas. And why is there a large part of me that's like, Ugh, really? Like, it's how I feel. It's not my best friend. Of, it's a wedding that will be a lot of fun in an incredibly beautiful place. Going away for the weekend with my husband, incredible, right? Like a home run. Right. But why does that feel horrible? Except, there's just I have this dread around it, and it's not as you said. And I think you're right. Like, it's less the oh, what if there's COVID. It's less the actual like what if I get eaten by a bear. And it's more the like, but what if I get to the airport, and there's a thing in the thing, and I got the COVID test, but not this kind of COVID test, and it doesn't have a raised seal. And so now I can't get on the plane. Like, I'm already talking myself into or out of like, I'm going to get to the airport, and I'll have done something wrong, and we won't be able to get on the plane. And how sad will I be? Maybe not that sad. Like, I've been thinking about that more than What I'm going to wear.
0: I didn't even have the specificity around it of like, what if this, what if this? I just have the vast and deep internal monologue of, I don't want to do. (laughs) Like, it's just from small things to big things. Today is the first like cold, rainy day of fall. And, you know, I knew we were going to get up and record. I had some stuff to prepare. I have a bunch of work stuff to do. And, I just said to my husband, I was like, I just want to get back in bed. I'm like, I want to just live like one of those old Victorian ladies who like lays in bed in the living room and occasionally people bring her food.
1: Right. And how did that happen? Because you just did that for 18 months, right? And now like
0: you're free to go and you're like, but I don't want to do. I get it. Maybe I have uh, COVID syndrome, like Stockholm syndrome. Like I've been imprisoned in my house for a long time. And now I'm like, I'm good. I like COVID. I want to stay with it. Well... I think we should take a break. When we come back, I will explain
1: your stage of psychological adaptation and why you're feeling this way. I will accept that from you. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Margaret, I'm going to talk you through why you don't want to do, which I mean, it is also me, by the way. I'm a physician that needs to heal myself. Okay. You're making me feel better because I don't want to do. Okay. So I found somebody who really understands the bleakest of bleak people. You ready for this?
0: <laughs> yes, I am ready. <laughs> I think I might be that people.
1: There's a psychologist named Vladimir
0: Lebedev. He's not with us anymore, but if he was... But Russians understand bleakness, I'm going to say.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. So in the 70s and 80s, he worked with the very first group of Russian cosmonauts. Sounds pretty bleak. Who were already back on the ground by then. But he wanted to study these factors and see how they had been affected by them. See if you've been affected by any of these factors in the last 18 months. An experience of an extreme immediate danger to life. Affected by. Ding. Yes. Long time stay in a very limited space. Ding. <laughs> The experience of sensory deprivation. Ding? Yes, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah. I mean, for you as an extrovert, where do you hear this one? The experience of extreme vulnerability and at the same time, the lack of quick assistance from emergency services. I mean, ding to the ding, like ding to the ding to the ding, dang, dong. That was me, right? Like, I can't breathe and I'm not blue yet. I'm not supposed to go
0: to the hospital, right? Like, I think that's the assignment. Right, right. If In case you haven't listened to all of our episodes, first of all, shame (laughs) on you. And second of all, Amy had COVID.
1: In the very beginning, where it was like, unless you're dying... Yeah.
0: They were sending people much sicker than that home from the hospital.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like nothing we can do for you here. So please don't come. And all of these things were usually in, you know, space flight submarines, places where you had to get used to isolation. We just underwent it as a, you know, like a human population. Right. It, yes. It, it's insane. We all did this. So he studied these people and we are these people. Right. And he came up with seven stages of psychological adaptation under such altered conditions of existence. So, does this make you feel any better? Like, it's been an altered condition of existence. I mean, not yet.
0: It <laughs> makes me feel like ding, but like, I'm ready for you to make me feel better. It's at least ready. ready. I dinged all the dings, <laughs> but it didn't make me feel that good. It's like, it's at least it's a, there's a really good reason you feel this way. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yes. I feel seen. Let's say that.
1: Yeah. So there's seven stages and I think we're like pretty far through the stages, but I'll tell you what the stages are. So the pre-exposure stage of mental tension. I feel like we kind of skipped that because that's like for an astronaut, like, oh, this is going to be really hard and I have to go to space for a year and not see my family.
0: I feel like in New York, I definitely was like, what's the thing with this virus? Is anyone worried about this? And like, I've said this before, I think, but if it started in March, in February, I was like, I'm not this person, but I'm going to try to see if I can get a couple of like face masks and gloves and hand sanitizer Mm -hmm. just because I'm not this person, but I'm gonna. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. And I remember going to Amazon in like late February and it was like sold out, sold out. So There was nothing, you know, and that I suddenly had this really bad feeling. I did. Yeah. My uh, spouse put the fear of God in me one morning like this is real. This is a thing.
1: And I went to the drugstore and bought like cough syrup and soup and water and
0: Paper towels and soup. You were going to solve problems with soup, Amy. I like your style.
1: (laughs) Because, well, well, he was immediately skipping. Never fear, pandemic. I have soup. He was going to like 70s action movie, like they're going to close the bridges and tunnels. You know, you'll see. Like he was really, he skipped to the stages faster than me. He was like building the paraglider to get off of Manhattan. Yeah. So then we entered the stage of acute mental reactions, which we all did. That's when it's like... School is canceled, can pick up your kids, right? Right. This is really happening. School is closed for two weeks, three weeks. Tom Hanks says COVID. (laughs) Tom Hanks. That was the night for everybody, Tom Hanks. Right. It was. Relative adaptation. Some of us did better or not in the ensuing months. We all get an A plus because we're still here, but... You know what I'm saying?
0: Right, right. And relative adaptation, your husband was like, let's build a paraglider and fly out of Manhattan. My husband was on a business trip in L.A. and was like, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think I need to come home.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is. I think that's like a six-month thing. Like, you're in the middle of it and you're... Then there's the mid-course stage of mental tension. That's when each of my family members over maybe like a two-week period had a like, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, like breakdown at the dinner table. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Then there's the mental tension of the terminal stage. That's the third quarter phenomenon. Like this is almost over, but it still sucks. Okay.
0: And I are we still in the mental tension of the terminal stage? I don't know. What's next? <laughs> well, everything gets better and it's over because we're not there yet. Yeah. The next stage is the stage of emotional resolution. No.
1: I mean, we're going to get there by the end of this episode. <laughs> I have not been there yet. Not familiar with that place. And then the stage of mental readaptation. In other words, like re-entering society. But again, like maybe we are stuck in that place. But the astronauts, like they
0: land and it's super weird, but like they're it's back to the way things were, right? Right. And the other thing that we keep saying, Amy, it's only them. Right. Here, it's everybody all the time. Right. So like, I mean, When you have a parent die, you have this a little bit with like your family and siblings. Like, I was talking to my aunt at one point and I was like, Yeah, it's really hard. And she said to me fairly jokingly, She's like, hard for you. I lost my best friend. Like, her and my mom were really close. And I was like, You're trying to kind of go for comfort. And everyone's like, Yeah, I'm also in it. Thanks. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard with your siblings because. You're all processing the grief and like kind of trying to comfort each other, but everybody's also doing the thing. Like it gets very muddy. Yeah. And I think we're in that universally, that whole thing of like, no, I get it. I'm also doing that thing and it's also hard for me.
1: As our kids, right? Like I'm thinking back to when we had Mr. D on the show, who's a kindergarten teacher and a stand up comic. And we had him on last year to talk about how the kids are adapting. And it was really eye opening that he said, like, usually there's kind of that one kid at recess who gets tagged as it. And then they say, I don't want to play. Like you have that one kid you have to deal with. He's like, N- I now have yes. 30 kids who don't want to be it, who don't know how to share, who are, you know, having meltdowns over the littlest thing. And so even when we're having a good day, then our four-year-old is not because their stage of emotional resolution is, um, is stagger-stepped.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. And I also think There's a kind of you're in this survival mode. I recently had, I keep comparing this to my mom dying, which it's not really like, but something recently happened to me that was interesting. That was when my mom died, I was taking care of her a lot and it was a very kind of a fraught time. She had a terminal illness that we kind of saw coming. And so when she died, I was sort of like, okay, here we are. I didn't feel this like unbelievable burst of like grief over it at the time. I was sort of like, had my head down and was marching through it, you know? And then maybe a month ago, I have a ring of my mom's that I love and I wore it and I thought I had lost it. Spoiler alert, I won't take you through the emotional turmoil, but I did not lose it. I found it, but I misplaced it for several hours. And during those hours, I had this like, animal like grief response. I was sobbing, shaking, like the kind of grief you see in that like Mm -hmm. film version of like an upset person. And it made me think like that's been in there that whole time for four years since my mom passed away and like something hit it. And in some ways it was kind of a very valuable experience. I was kind of glad. I mean, it was painful to go through, but I was sort of like, I think I really needed to do that. Like screaming at the sky grief and I do think that there's something that I'm stuck in now. It made me realize that I'm stuck in that same kind of thing. I think a little bit with COVID, this kind of like, I guess we'll just muddle through, like, and I'm just in that phase. And like, where is this catharsis? Where Where is VE day, you know? Yeah. Or where is the lost ring where I can fall to the ground and cry for two hours straight and like pound the floor and feel something about it that's not just like, put your head down and keep moving because that's what good people do. It reminds me a little bit
1: of the, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic in New York City at 7pm every night, people would open their windows or go out on their terraces if they had them or go down the street, whatever, go up to the roof of their building and bang on pots and cheer. And it was for the change of shift for the healthcare workers so that the healthcare workers would know that the city appreciated them. And it was this, you know, incredibly bonding experience, but probably also deeply cathartic for everyone who did it. Right. And that there was a ritual to it. Like, let's all go outside and yell and scream and bang on pots. And sure, we're thanking the social workers, but there
0: must have also been the like, I'm here. Right. I survived another day inside. There's a word for that. We're exercising something. Right. We're like processing it outwardly. And I think that, you know, this is true in small and large ways that families who, you know, don't acknowledge, people talk about this all the time. I mean, I'm from an Irish Catholic family, like back in the day, like someone would die and you'd be like, let's keep moving. Like, you know, we don't sit around and stew. And maybe that's something in this too, which I haven't really thought about is that we're not really processing the trauma. We're just like, oh, thank God schools are back open. Let's go. Like we just have skipped the part where we're like, wait a minute, this was horrible. What was that? Yeah. Right. So there's something
1: Elsa comes into this, I think, called re-socialization. And that is usually, it's defined as a process by which old behaviors are removed and new behaviors are learned in their place. And usually it's like Harry Potter gets to Hogwarts, you know, recruits get to, what's it called? Basic training. A recruit reports to basic training, a prisoner gets to jail, you know, and like you're in a new place now. Like forget the old rules, there are new rules and it's a very like hard, short, sharp shock of like relearning everything. Totally new sets of rules. And then when you go back to the old way of doing things, like the astronaut coming back from space, you have to relearn the old rules and it's hard and it's weird. Like yes. the example is in Shawshank Redemption which I know is an old deluxe alert. Back in my day, Morgan Freeman, he's out of jail at the end of the movie and he's working. He has a job now and he asks his manager if he can take a restroom break. And the manager's like, you don't have to ask me every time you have to go to the bathroom. You don't need to do that anymore. And it just is sort of, it crystallizes this. Like he learned a new set of rules and now he's going back
0: to the old set of rules. So once again, we are all Morgan Freeman, like, wait, what? even also in Shawshank, the guy before him who gets released, who works at that same supermarket. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen (laughs) Shawshank Reduction, sorry, sorry. it's a spoiler. It's 30 years old. The guy who gets out before him kills himself because he cannot function at all in the outside world. So it's like, I think that this is something that's very interesting. Even if we don't like where we've been, if we are socialized to that place, transition out of that place is very, very difficult. I think that's what makes flying to Chicago hard. I don't think it's that it's like, what if I get there and I don't, I have all the right stuff. I know I can do it, but I am so out of Mm -hmm. practice of doing it. And it's like, wait, did we used to always just on a Friday night be like, I'll go get in a metal tube and shoot myself (laughs) to a different state. Like, I don't know. Somehow it seems Mm -hmm. crazy if you haven't been doing
1: it. It doesn't seem casual at all. Right. Like it seems I mean, flying to Chicago is not casual, but like, you know, meeting me in the city for dinner also feels really big. Right. Yeah.
0: It all feels really overwhelming. Like I feel like a little like fetus, like I can't do anything.
1: (laughs) There's a guy named Craig Haney who studies prison isolation specifically. And so he's not saying this in terms of COVID, but it stood out to me. He says, like, that when you spend a lot of time, like in solitary confinement or something, you begin to withdraw from the little amount of social contact that you have, like an hour a day. That eventually, if you, if social contact is removed from you, that over time, social contact becomes anxiety arousing. With somebody like you, it's supposed to be relaxing, right? But that's how you're feeling. That's how we're feeling. Yeah. That's it. And, and, and not to like, Self aggrandize. I mean, I realize it's worse to be in solitary confinement than to be, you know, stuck at home on a winter weekend with cabin fever. But there was trauma on top of all this for all of us. And I think that until we process it, then we're not really going to
0: move past it. We are going to be kind of stuck in this funk.
1: optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7
0: essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry
1: lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50%
0: off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. And now, how hard are hard things right now? From the WhatFresh Fresh Health Podcast. Going to the grocery store. Super hard,
1: like a 10 of hardness. It involves all the hard things. Leaving the house, doing something you don't want to, possibly running into people, and then carrying heavy things. Making dinner. I mean, also a 10. It takes planning and energy, is complicated and lengthy, and at the end, most of the people at your table complain that it smells funny. Do not recommend.
0: Filling out school forms. So, so
1: hard. Definitely a 10. First, you have to remember to fill them out, and then you have to fill them out. It is just terrible all around. Boarding a plane and going to a place literally impossible this cannot be done
0: we apologize for the inconvenience this has been how hard are hard things right now from the what fresh help podcast I think another metaphor, because that's all we can deal with now is metaphors, is like on people who haven't eaten for a long time, for whatever reason, you would think like, oh, put a huge steak in front of them and they'll eat and they'll be happy. But like you can actually die from doing that. Like if you were for whatever reason, you're on a life raft, you know, you were starving for a month. If you sat down and ate a huge meal, like... Your stomach would explode or something. Yeah. (laughs) It's horrible for you. I don't know what happens to you physiologically, but like there's a process with people who deal with eating disorders and stuff, and it's a refeeding program. Like you cannot go from like no food to regular food. There has to be a whole... And it's not mental. It's physical. And I think that's part of it too, that like we kind of went from nothing to everything. We went from nothing to like school and soccer practice and CCD is back and also Boy Scouts and also violin lessons and also this and also that. And that we just feel like, whoa, like I think that we're having a a shock from that. And
1: it's not celebratory, right? Like we thought we would go back to my daughter plays volleyball or started playing volleyball this year at school and parents couldn't go the games were live stream, which was kind of fun because you could watch the games. The grandparents could watch the games. And then just the last game, they said, okay, the parents can come. Parents could come, but we had to show our vaccine and we had to wear a mask. And, you know, and it's like, it's not, and there's something about it that's like, I was so grateful to be there. It's not that, but it wasn't a like, woohoo, music's playing and we're hugging everybody because we made it. It's over. It's like, it's kind of almost over. So you can come just to this one game. You see
0: what I'm saying? Like, and it's, I see what you're saying, but I also want to add that I would much rather watch my kids volleyball game on a live stream. Like, <laughs> right. And then there's that the board meeting that I have to do. I'm very happy to do it in my jammers with a beer in my hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really happy with a lot of things. I don't have to get in my car in the cold dark of New York at 430 in the afternoon and like hump off to go do. And I think in September for us, at least in New York, It was like, we're back, baby. But it wasn't like, we're back, baby. It was like, we're
2: back.
0: Like all of the Zooms are now in person and and it just I'm over. Right. It's not like walking into a
1: bar where everybody knows your name, right? It's like you're walking into a bar with everybody who like kind of has a mask on until they get their drink. Because that's kind of what you're supposed to do. And you can't really talk and you can't really see anybody. It's just these weird half measures are not letting us, I don't know, bang on pots and pans and then be done with it and it's not going to
0: happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that the social isolation piece is super interesting that that I am finding that even stuff I love to do, and people talk about this all the time. This is like a Twitter meme kind of thing. Like I only want to make plans. I don't want (laughs) to do the plans. You know, that's always been kind of like a meme joke for people. And I know a lot of people who are like that. And that is my presenting ailment right now. Like I don't want to, you know, and things that I've been missing. And I can't decide, is it just because I don't want to do anything that I only want to watch the volleyball game on Zoom now while I kind of sit on my bed and that's what I've gotten used to? Or is it that it all came back at the same time? So like I teach, I haven't been doing that. My kids have activities that haven't been going on. And I feel like in September, it was like, ollie, ollie, I'm free. Here we go. And like, seven things are back on my schedule. It didn't happen like I got one thing back and then a couple months of that. It just all seems to flood flooded. Like I opened the door on the submarine, like it all flooded in. With these like levels of caution layered onto them too, like lest you have too much fun. Right, and it's not over. That's right, and it's not over. Right. Are you ready for a gesture towards something? that might. I mean, come at me, Amy. I am physically just like a picture, like a crab, like <laughs> pinching its claws towards <laughs> you right now. I am like, no, I'm not ready for anything, but I'm going to, for the good of our audience, pretend. It's like the crab is pinching its claws because
1: it's that's how you're greeting me, but it's also like it might hurt me because you're...
0: No, it's not even greeting. I'm just pinching you because I'm like, stop talking to me. And it's your own worst enemy. <laughs> I have a friend whose son, as a child, whenever... Anyone spoke to him, he had a word for that person, and that word was goggy. There's a goggy mom. And it meant someone who was talking to him. <laughs> and it has become such a part of our dialogue. Like, you know, whenever my friend and I are together, and like someone's like, Well, you know, ladies, and we're like, Oh, goggi, No, like it's just a goggy is anyone talking to you. And so I'm pinching at you because you're my goggy today. I saw this, guys. I witnessed this the other night in a banana republic. Oh, but- that guy was. A major guy. Market is usually there. I've
1: broken. You could see it. You're broken, but Dulcie was coming on too strong. Like you want somebody that's like, Hey, this is who
0: I am, instead of like, oh, I can't doodle in a banana republic. She was not having it. You know? Yeah. The guy, the sales guy was just like he was coming in way too hot. Like Lady! Jeez, how's it going? And I was like, Gaggy, no. <laughs> right. now, it all makes sense to me now. I mean, I was there for it, but now I know. I, just- I feel like even back in the day, in the before times, I would have been like, all right, Gaggy, you're having a good Friday. We're just trying to chill. What, like I would have been kinder about it. I was truly like back away. Like if I had a mace, I would have sprayed him. I was like, get back, Goggy.
1: Oh, and he was not getting the message. You know what I mean? He was like his wackadoo. Yeah. Like, let me try to be more wacky and see if that'll charm
0: this lady. It did not. Our energy was like (laughs) negative 23 and he was coming in at like a 465. He was like an asteroid just burning towards us. Yes. All right. But you were going to tell me something, but I told you not to because I'm mean, but go ahead because maybe we'll help our listeners.
1: We've talked about negativity bias on this show before that. Uh, Amy, I'm soaking in it. You're soaking in it. Exactly. Basically, it's that for very good reason, your brain is wired to pay more attention to bad experiences than good experiences. So it'll remember like, do not, oh, make sure not to wear socks on the stairs the next time. I don't know, whatever it is. (laughs) So that's negativity bias. That was a whole opera right there. Don't wear (laughs) socks on the stairs next time. Would that anybody in my house would listen to me about that one. There's a neuropsychologist named Dr. Rick Hansen. I just listened to this TED Talk this morning and I'll put the link in the show notes because I really thought it was fantastic. He teaches something that he calls positive neuroplasticity. And he basically starts from this point of view that your brain is bad at remembering and hanging on to good experiences. That your brain is like Velcro for the bad times and, you know, Teflon for the good times. Because, it, you know, it seems like the good times aren't as important to your brain. There's nothing to learn from the yes. good times. So, he has this sort of three-step thing you go through in this TED Talk. I did it this morning, you know, find myself like in tears in 10 seconds just listening to this TED Talk where he has you turn a, what he calls a passing mental state into a lasting neural trait. So you have to work at it. So he has you in this exercise, take a positive experience that you've had, just something that comes to mind, like somebody you love who did something nice for you, like what it was and take it in and remember it. And then this was the sticking point, remember it and now stay with it. Like, stay with it for like 12 to 15 seconds. Really remember that good thing, that letter somebody wrote me was what I was thinking of. And you move past the couple of seconds because your brain will be like, yeah, 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 that's not important. I don't need to file a nice letter somebody wrote me. I need to file the like time I got really sick. Don't wear socks on the stairs. Yeah, yeah. So you need to stay with it. (laughs) Think about it for about 12 to 15 seconds. And, you know, just you're basically saying, like, no, I'm burning this to long term memory. I am saving this thing. Feel it take it in so that you then to get to keep it and take it with you instead of just sort of having nice something nice and then move on that that over time gets your brain better at looking for the good and seeking out the good and hanging on to it but you have to teach your brain to do that
0: i get it it feels very unappealing to me right now but i get it it feels like another thing on my to do list but i get it i've also i will say i notice this in my kids my kids are having a really hard time generally. I think it's a little bit of season change here in New York that there's always like a seasonal effective thing that kind of happens where it's like the darkness is coming right now in New York. And that feels, you feel that in your bones in a sort of upsetting way. Yes, I do. I really do. And I don't know. I noticed that my kids are having a really hard time. And one of my kids who tends to run a bit, what does he have? Negative confirmation? What is it called? Uh, Negativity bias. He is such negativity bias. It's comical. He's so good at it. At <laughs> least every day. He says at least once a day, this is the worst day of my life. Like, I don't care Aww. if we've been frolicking at the farm all day, like getting pumpkins, eating donuts. But like then he drops something on his foot and he will say, This is the worst day of my life. And it's just like, Amy made a really sad face when I said that, but it's like oh, yeah. it's I kind mean- of like goof. We're like, this is it. And some days when he's in a better mood, he kind of gets it. But like, it's like he's teetering on a balance beam all the time above negativity and like something knocks him off every day. You know, I worry about it and I think about how to fix it. But I also think it's his process. Then I have another kid who's like a jolly Roger all day, every day. And then like once a month goes hard to the hole on like everything's terrible. (laughs) So I think that you have to be able to process like I had a kid a long time ago. I said, "How was your day?" He said, "Some of it was really good, and some of it was really bad." And I said, "Well, welcome to life, kid. Like that's how it goes. Some of it's really good, and some of it's really bad." And I think sometimes, and maybe why I'm struggling extra right now is that I have a need to always be like, "It's fun, it's fun. We're having fun," and like I think I'm just maybe really burnt out. So my thing of like, "All right, wackadoo in the Banana Republic, let's do this thing." You know, I'm like. Get away from me. Yeah. I'm just burnt. I'm burnt to a crisp. Well,
1: I can give you a little Dr. Rick Hansen magic for your son. And he's like, this is the worst day of my life. He actually, Dr. Hansen says something in this TED Talk that really stayed with me. He's like, what is the most important minute of your life? The next minute of your life. Oh, I'm
0: going to say that to him.
1: Yeah. Right. Like you drop the pumpkin on your foot and it stinks. And what's the literally the most important thing is what you do next, what your mind does next. And some of us are just a lot better at noticing the good stuff than the bad stuff. And all of us are bad at saving it to our hard drive. But I do think I just think that's what's going to save us is to look
0: right now f- for the really good. Agree. And also contextualize the bad because Ned Halliwell said this on our episode where on his fresh take talking about kids with ADHD, and that there is a wind down process. And during that wind down process, the whole bottom falls out of everything. And it's something I look for a lot in one of my kids, because when I hear this is the worst day ever, it's like, it's time to go to bed. That's the wind down process starting and everything, all your armor is falling off. And your reaction is like, this stinks. And I think that writ large, that's where I am in my life right now. Like the armor is falling off. And I'm like, I'm really tired and sad, you know, and it's like, it's okay to say that, you know, like, it doesn't always have to be like, it's COVID, but we're making the best of it, right, it's COVID, right. but we're doing crafts, it's COVID, but we're da-da-da. like, I think that I'm that as the adrenaline of the fear and the rush comes off of it, it's okay to feel like I got hit by a bus.
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's okay. That's right. Like I don't think it's like just put on a happy face and get out there and have a great day. Like it's just facile. It's too hard and it's the banana republic guy bothered us because it was not real, right? It wasn't genuine. It wasn't connection
0: and I think that's it. Like putting layering on a smile that I don't really feel is not really what's going to save us. I want to highlight too this quote from Hansen, because it really spoke to me. We're living on thin soup. You can survive, you can make it, but there's a hollowness and an emptiness inside. It's a little bit of a stretch for this metaphor because a lot of us are like living very well in terms of like we're eating enough and we have all the things we need. But I think that's right. This survival mechanism that no matter how low level it may have seemed, because like we came through fine. You know, we bought a hot tub. We spent a lot of time in it. We cooked bread. Like We weren't in, you know, some horrible, horrible situation. We weren't on Mars trying to survive. But I do think there has been this like cobbling together an existence for a long time that I think it's worth acknowledging that has been really hard. Yeah. I mean,
1: one of my family members still is affected pretty directly by having been sick with COVID. And it's going to be with us for a long time. And your heart is hard, right? But we need to work a little harder, I think, too velcro the good stuff and not pretend not put on an emotional state that we don't have but you know just do it for ourselves
0: yeah i mean that's our solved it for me like listen i don't know if you guys are having a hard time right now we're having kind of a (laughs) hard time right now i'm having maybe an extra hard time right now and it is what it is and like there'll be something else the next minute it is also going to be important the next month and the next year are all going to be important but for right now if you're having a hard time we see you friends yeah we do Thanks for listening, as always. And we will talk to you next time.
2: Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free It's like having your bestie in your pocket telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter free.
3: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence